This is Resist and Renew. The UK-based podcast about social movements. What we're fighting for, why, and how it all happens. The hosts of the show are... Me, Kat. Uh, me, Sammy. And me, Ali. I'm recording us now, baby. Shit, it's a podcast! <laughs> <laughs> So, welcome everybody to the Resist and Renew podcast, uh, where we are joined here today by Elio. Do you want to say a little hello before I introduce you, Elio? A little hello? Hello. <laughs> Sorry, that was really... Hello. That's a, <laughs> that's a big hello. Or just multiple hellos of different sizes, okay. shapes and sizes. That's a variety. People can pick their favorite hello. <laughs> so, Elio is um, a person who organizes with... Uh, Swarm, which is a UK-based uh, collective founded and led by sex workers who believe in self-determination, solidarity and cooperation, and is also a branch organiser with United Voices of the World, which is a grassroots trade union of low-paid migrant and precarious workers that fight the bosses for dignity and respect through direct action on the streets and through the courts, which is a sentence from the website that I just really wanted to read out, <laughs> and is also involved in other groups and things. Um, and was also giving us some very helpful uh, advice for our muscles and physical bodies before we started the recording. So thank you for that. So let's get into the let's get into the chat. Um, Elio, what is the political context that like sex workers and the groups that you're linked in with are organizing within like in the UK today? So I think the main context that's the most important to think about in terms of the impact it has on sex workers is the legal context. So currently in the UK, specifically I'm speaking about England and Wales really, um, is sex work is not is partially criminalized. So sell, the act of selling sex and, and buying sex for the most part is you're allowed to do it. It's legal. It's fine. No one's going to stop you from doing it. But a lot of the, I guess, the infrastructure around those things is criminalized. So brothel keeping, which can, you know, range from someone who owns a building and they have lots of people that work there and, you know, have to give them a percentage to work there or could be just two workers working together for safety in the most part, you know, so you're not working alone. That counts as brothel keeping and it's criminalized. There's laws around control for gain, um, which are criminalized, which is, you know, meant to stop like what is kind of understood as the evil pimp um, with the, the workers that they're exploiting and they're controlling them for gain, but often ends up affecting people like if a sex worker has a flat and they have a cleaner or if they have a security guard or if they have a driver, um, or if they have a partner whose rent they're paying, all of these things kind of are criminalized under the laws affecting sex workers in the UK. So I think for most sex worker organizations and groups, the things that they're really concerned with on the kind of the, in terms of an organizing or, or political act activity is around those laws and how they affect sex workers in the day-to-day -day way. And so that's why the kind of key movement for sex workers is the movement for full decriminalization, the removal of any criminal laws relating to the sex industry or, or to sex workers, which just to, you know, give the addendum isn't mean that like exploitation is suddenly like, let's go, or like that rape is suddenly like, you know, legal or like that violence towards sex workers is fine. It just says that for most sex workers, their day-to-day -day lives at work are going to be better if you remove the laws that criminalize their labor um, and their work practices. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think for me, that's the main political context and sort of the, like the broader, the broader scheme of things. And then I think in like a kind of more like talking about the left or something level, it's, the political context is trying to like over 
the last, I don't know, few years, Swarm have, like Swarm, who are a group I'm involved in, I think we said that at the beginning, you know, have been around for over 10 years now. And over that time, you've seen a shift in like, I wasn't involved 10 years ago, but you've seen a shift in how um, people think about and talk about sex work and sex workers on the left. And there used to be an increased level of, of hostility. And now you're seeing that sex workers are welcomed into more political groups, understood as being part of movements, often understood as being like at the sharp end of like um, a lot of the criminalization and a lot of laws and, and the ways in which sex workers are impacted is, you know, a bit of a canary in the coal mine, as people like to say, of how other groups and other networks and other people are going to be affected. And so there's, a, I think, a lot stronger connection to sex work and to sex workers as being movements to like organize around. So I think in terms of the political context that sex workers are organizing in, that's really key, this like shifting attitude towards recognizing sex workers as comrades rather than as like victims out in the cold who kind of we, we try and ignore because it's a complicated issue. Yeah, that's my answer. That's a solid answer. I like it. And so it sounds, so I think what's, what's coming across to me in that is that like sex work is like the, like the sex worker struggle, I guess, for want of a better way of phrasing it is like really embedded and like linked to a lot of the other struggles that like the left um, is more recognized as organizing yeah. within. Um, and so like, I think part of the reason this is my take and maybe not necessarily that useful, but like part of the reason that I think there has been a lot of like a larger increase in sex worker solidarity on like the left, I think it's partly to do with the work that like Swarm and its previous um, uh, instantiation or whatever of like uh, Sex Workers Open University um, did in terms of like doing a lot of like link building with a lot of other groups. But I think it's also because people are like seeing sex work as like in a really practical sense, just linked in with other struggles. Like I do a lot of stuff around like immigration rates and it's hard to talk about immigration rates without like thinking about like like high profile immigration raids on brothels because like it's just yeah. so often one of the most visible aspects yeah. of like immigration enforcement and i think that's true of loads of stuff like if you work on homelessness if you work on like yeah. drug use if you work on migration if you work on whatever like there's just su such clear links with yeah. like the struggles that like sex workers are living within and so much of that is linked to criminalization yeah definitely i mean that's partly why i'm like sex worker organizing or a, a politics of, of solidarity with sex workers is you know really the the frame through which I operate a lot because if you look at that you see how it connects to all other things and like I'm not saying that you know organizing around housing rights doesn't mean you like you have to think about migration or you have to think about gender or you have to think about work and stuff like you know I think any issue of this kind can lead you to see all those connections between different things but for me sex work um sex work organizing is such a as a central site for the ways in which so much of that stuff all connects up and it's why it's so important to organize on those issues or, or to center sex workers of you know various different experiences in the kind of organizing or politics that you do because if you establish better conditions for sex workers in the world then that will like you know that's going to establish better conditions for a lot of people um there was something else you said as well that made me think of something but i, I just don't remember what it was <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I don't remember what it is either. It'll, I say things and they're just immediately gone. It'll come back to me. Oh yeah, this is, this is what it is. So I also run this project called Decriminalized Futures, which is kind of more of like an art and popular education project. And it is focused on like experiences and lives and perspectives of sex workers. But 
very specifically in connection with other like you know struggles for racial and economic justice um trans liberation queer liberation struggles and we're constantly framing it in the connection to that to build those connections and something that we're, we're doing at the moment we're recording in october so we've we've been doing this series called lady of the night school as part of decriminalized futures which is like a education course and you can sign up and there's lectures and seminars and readings and it's a way of kind of trying to focus in on issues that are relate to to sex worker struggles and sex worker organizing but other things that maybe we don't always get to go as deep into because i think a lot of sex worker public facing political work has to be very introductory has to be trying to convince people like this is why you should be interested in this this is here's some basic arguments here's the legal models internationally and this is why you should think about it and decriminalized futures are kind of trying to take the opportunity to be like let's really get into some specific stuff um, but the first session is talking about a history of um, criminalization in the UK in terms in relation to sex work. And it was a lecture done. We had a lecture that was done by this woman called Dr. Julia Late, um, who's really amazing. She's at Birkbeck. And she talked about some of the history of how sex work was criminalized. And she has quotes from 1922, so like 100 years ago, talking about the conditions that sex workers were facing and also the the political struggles that surrounded it and what you see at the time is loads of like suffragettes loads of like early feminist organizers were like you know you need to decriminalize sex work hmm. because even though we're like morally against it that's what's going to make the conditions for these people better and this is what should happen and so the people hmm. that were the feminists who were the saviors who were the like wealth off, off not always but sometimes like wealthy women like this is their cause that they're taking up they're on the side of decriminalization and they're in that fight Whereas nowadays, what you see is those people who tend to fit into that category are the ones who are arguing in favor of the Nordic model, which is, you know, a legal model that sex workers argue is very harmful to their working conditions and who are, tend to be kind of in the opposition, oppositional position. But they kind of present that oppositional position as being like the natural position, like, oh, we've always been against this. And like, you know, being in favor of sex worker rights is like the brand new thing. But actually supporting decriminalization and supporting sex workers is the position that has has been the longer term one it's the one mm. that like people have def like you know changed from because of you know changing understandings of what it means to be a feminist anyway i'm kind of going off on one but just what i mean is that like this connection and like this understanding of criminalization is something that people who are engaged in political movements has had for a long time and then it kind of dips and wanes how people know and understand it and in the uk particularly over the last 10 20 30 years it's groups like the english collective of prostitutes who have done amazing political campaigning work to really fight for the rights of sex workers and to really push like that being important and central and maintaining that as being a like in integral part of like leftist organizing. No, thanks for that. That's really useful. And I guess one thing in case like me and Ali had a chat about this before we started this interview about like how we want to frame things. And generally this is like a, this is a series where we interview um, like organizers to talk about the work they're doing within like the groups that they're a part of and so we're quite intentionally not asking you kind of like sex work 101 questions but what we will do if you are listening to this and you're like I have no idea what's been talked about we will put some links in the show notes for some like other videos and there's a lot of resources out there that are doing that kind of like 101 explanation so if that is you check out the blog post that comes to this episode and you'll probably find some helpful I will also add that decriminalized futures you know um, worked with Swarm a couple of years ago to run a conference that talked about a lot of issues that face sex workers, talking about migrant sex workers, talking about the Nordic model, talking about sex workers of different experience, talking about access, like this, 
disability, talking about race. Um, and if you go to the Decriminalized Futures website, which is decriminalizedfutures.org, and you go to the archive, there's all these recordings with like disc panel discussions and transcripts about really specific issues that affect sex workers. So amazing. That's another another resource. Yay. I can see Sammy like scurrying away now looking up that. So that will make it through <laughs> to the show notes. Um, I feel like like my I feel like sex worker struggles has become like yeah as you said like more prominent more recently and like through that dipping and waning process like it feels yeah like it's it's on on the up again in terms of like understanding and integration with the left and also what you were saying about like i feel like loads of groups and you said like lots of uh if you look really closely at any struggle they are all really interconnected but i feel like the way that sex worker interconnection is presented and like mm. it feels really tangible in ways that other group other things like environmental things even though you can do mm. it and it is super tangible and it is super connected it feels much clearer and maybe yeah. that's a communication thing that is going on because it yeah. maybe because it comes down to like individual lives a lot of the time of like sex workers are also migrants who are also in shitty rental situations or whatever you know like because it comes down to a person it feels like it comes across way more tangibly to me at least i don't know yeah i think it's also like you know as as we uh experience climate change and as um particular you know um yeah as we experience climate change and as you see like in the uh, global south more places become uninhabitable or like less easy to survive in in terms of like economic stability you see more people migrating and you see the ways in which border controls that are supposedly like to protect against trafficking or to make sure that you know sex working women aren't exploited in certain ways are actually used against migrants who are facing that brunt the brunt of of climate change um or who do make it into the UK despite these like horrific border regimes and then are in a position of like precarious like status and then maybe are relying on sex work as a way to earn an income. Like, I think it's just every issue that you can think of, you can see how that connects up with like sex worker politics mm -hmm. and organizing, mm -hmm. even if it's maybe not like environmentalism and sex workers, like eh, what's the link? And then it's like, oh wait, because the reason these are connected is because of like borders and because of work and because of, austerity and things like that yeah and yeah just you know what real exploitation is which yeah yeah all the structural stuff come yeah. comes come, <laughs> it's all there and it all comes together in people's lives yes. funnily ah, enough the structures. <laughs> um you mentioned stuff around how swarm and other sex worker organizations are fighting for like better better conditions do you want to elaborate a bit more on like what are these organizations about? What are you trying to achieve? Uh, and how are, you, how are you going about it? So I think different organizations operate in different ways. So Swarm are very much, um, have done a lot of work over the years advocating for decriminalization um, and doing a lot of work around that. And over the last few years, we've seen um, the group Decrim, Decrim Now kind of come into being, which is a coalition of lots of different people and organizations 
fighting for decriminalization in the UK, uh, decriminalization of sex work. And so Swarm have kind of had a little bit more space to be like, we're not having to constantly just do policy work and fight to be like, get basic, like legal dignity. We're able to turn a little bit more to focus purely on community and building up our community and, and doing services and resources for that are, you know, for the community who are, who are connected to Swarm and most impacted. Um, and, you know, doing that in a way that is focused on mutual aid. So it's not like, oh, like it's a, just a bunch of, you know, Swarm is very much a mixture of people who are sex workers and non-sex and allies, um, non-sex working allies who are kind of supporting that work to happen. Um, and creating, not kind of imagining the sex worker as this abstract person whom no one's ever really met, but you know they're really victimized and they just need support and resources. And these people have decided what they're gonna be and they're gonna provide them. But it's very much led by sex workers knowing what they want, saying what they want, and putting that stuff in place um, in a very much the context of mutual aid, where it's not just, oh, this organization gives you things and now you have them, but it recognizes that uh, as being part of a wider sex working community um, or supporting sex workers, um, that it's an exchange of like, this is a community that supports itself and supports each other. Um, I'm not sure if I've said that very well, but hopefully like you kind of get the idea of what I'm trying to say of like, there's this swarm is kind of focused on building community and, and supporting sex workers of all different kinds across the UK in lots of different ways. Um, and I'm going to just talk a little bit about maybe just about, I guess, um, how we imagine doing that, I guess, um, or what the organization is about. Is that, yeah, is this kind of the yeah, right yeah, moment yeah, to great. do that? Yeah. Yeah. So swarm last year no 21 what year is it so in 2020 swarm ran this mutual aid fund the hardship fund um because the pandemic you know put sex workers in this position where um for many that the industry just disappeared overnight and people didn't have any work um and kind of no way to survive and you saw a lot of people who you know like oh it was like oh go on universal credit but a lot of sex workers you know were already on universal credit and that wasn't sufficient for like their living needs. And so doing sex work was a way to like top up and suddenly they kind of lost that top up mm -hmm. and were having to survive on an amount of money that was insufficient or like just didn't have their lives or their whatever together enough to be able to deal with universal credit and deal with those kind of like logistical practicalities or are people who have no recourse to public funds for whatever reason. And so sex work was how they survived. And now suddenly that was gone and they had no other way to have any money. So there were a lot of ways in which people were affected, particularly like sex workers were affected by the pandemic. Um, and so Swarm set up a mutual, a hardship fund, which basically fundraised money and gave it away to individual sex workers um, so that they had like a little bit of a cushion to be able to get through. And a lot of the time that was like, going towards just putting like gas on the meter so you could get through the rest of the month mm -hmm. or like just quite, you know, simple things that were just all that people needed just to get through that month where they kind of dealt with the sudden change, their circumstances, um, either because they ran out of the tiny bit of savings they had, or they were like, okay, I've got no money now and I need to do this. Um, so we raised and gave away, like, I'm going to say it wrong because I haven't looked at the number for like a quarter of a million pounds to like sex workers so across good. the UK. And it was like, over a thousand sex workers like got a payment and all of that money was raised through private donations so just people being like yeah this is important to do i'm going to give money towards it um 
And that was like a really amazing thing to do. It was quite a lot of work for everybody who was involved in it, but it was, you know, really, really important because I think it sustained so many people. Like it was a lifesaver for people just to get that little bit of money right when they needed it. And you also had like talking on the phone to sex workers across the UK who would, you know, be a bit suspicious. Like, why are you giving me this money? Because sex workers are not used to someone helping them out just because they're a sex worker. They're used to people being like, a lot more negative because mm -hmm. they're a sex worker. And so being like, oh, you're like one of me and you've arranged this stuff and you're giving me money so that I can get by, like some, you know, it was just kind of an interesting like community building exercise mm -hmm. of like really connecting with people who had never really spoken to other sex workers that much or had only spoken to people about being a sex worker in the context of getting a service from people who were like, that's their paid job. So actually speaking to people who were in community with them who were being like, no, we want to make sure you're okay was like quite a powerful thing. And it made us think a lot about like, how do we keep building these strong community networks so that when things happen, that people feel connected up in these ways? And how do we keep creating spaces where sex workers can meet with other sex workers and feel connected? And how do we do that in a way that's like, uh, where our work is voluntary, it's reciprocal, you know, it prioritizes exchanges of support and resources while understanding that support and resources looks different depending on who the person giving or taking or, you know, receiving maybe is a nicer way to say that. Um, you know, we're really against the idea of one way giving, but also not like you have to jump through these hoops in order to get something from us. It's about by being a member of this community, you are giving. Um, and just like really focusing on like kind of building some of those connections, um, building solidarity. So supporting each other in the work that we do and doing that because we support the movement for our collective liberation and that we're dedicated to creating a better world for sex workers. Um, and thinking still about public messaging and education, but our focus is less on convincing the outside world that sex workers deserve dignity and providing dignity to sex workers who are connected to swarm and, and wider sex worker communities. And using some of the funding that we've gotten through donations and the ongoing funding that we get from people to, to do that work, because now there's less need for the hardship fund. You know, people aren't, there aren't as many people in that kind of immediate crisis which is good, which is what we want. We don't want people to be in crisis. Mm -hmm. But then how do we build towards being able to respond to when there's another crisis? Because there's always another crisis. Um, and so thinking about building up like um, grants, so using that money and giving it to sex workers, not just because, oh, you're in a crisis and so you're having a difficult moment, but being like, oh, you have a, a creative project that you want to do or you have a zine that you want to make or you have a thing to do that's going to like connect up the community and that's going to talk about your experience as a sex worker in the UK and connect with other sex workers and kind of putting some of the funds towards stuff that builds community doesn't just like rescue community um, and doing it in ways that are based around like shared geographic locations, shared identities, shared experience, and just really thinking about how we can think about the different types of sex workers there are in the UK and how we can support them doing like, um, um, is this kind of, am I meant to kind of talk a Absolutely. bit about some of the stuff we do? Or am I going into too much detail? No, I love a bit of detail. So if I'm like going too into the nitty gritty, this, you is, know. this is like how the stuff happens. This is what we want to hear. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, and doing stuff like this advice and support thing that we've been running, you know, for a year now, which is like a monthly drop in where sex workers can come and talk to other people um, about like issues they have applying for universal credit, issues they have doing tax stuff, you know, things that often come up for sex workers that have very unique 
um, needs around it that they can speak to other people who are like trained up in like how to how to deal with that stuff. So it's sort of like a citizens advice bureau, but for sex workers mm -hmm. specifically. Um, and just doing this stuff to be like, what knowledge do we have in this wider community? What knowledge do we have in people who are like supportive of the community and want to share it in ways that are like really respectful and, and supportive rather than like condescending? And how can we build this up? Um, we've had a connected project of the dial tone project, which is like phones for sex workers who need them. You know, sex workers often need a second phone so that their clients don't have their private or personal number. Mm -hmm. um, particularly, you know, sex workers might only want to, might only end up doing sex work for a year and they don't want in two years, some guy to be calling them because he still has that private number. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like, it's both like a short term thing of like, oh, that helps to work. And also like a long term thing of like thinking about how you get to navigate through the world. And so kind of providing these resources that are direct to do it. And we've done, you know, this healthcare project with doing vaccines for sex workers through the pandemic where sex workers, you know, kind of need a priority vaccine because they have that direct contact with people more mm -hmm. often, um, but can't necessarily go onto the government website and be like, there's no category that says, oh, are you a prostitute? Thus, thus you get to like book your vaccine earlier. So being like, oh, we'll create these networks where that, that are confidential, that are, places that people can go and get access to these things that they they need um without having to necessarily have it written on their nhs record like something that they maybe don't want people to know mm -hmm. or they don't want their gp like in five years or ten years to to be able to see because that's not what they do and because they like you know like maybe you can think of all the reasons why people who are like in certain positions might need access to a, a vaccine program that's aimed specifically at them um Anyway, we do lots of other stuff like in terms of swarm, like research papers and like continuing the hardship funding, trying to create these projects. And I guess like, what was the original question? What's your organization about? Like swarm as an organization is very much about that community support, community building, community resourcing, mm -hmm. um, kind of not in contrast, but like slightly different to that is, so I'm a branch organizer for the United Sex Workers branch in, in UVW. Um, and I just support the members of that branch to organize around issues that affect them. And that's slightly different to Swarm because Swarm is very much about that community connection, whereas UVW and USW is about the workers' rights. And so what issues people are facing at work, um, whether it be the strip club they work in or potentially the brothel they work in or as a f uh, full service um, sex worker who works independently or privately or maybe someone who works online. You know, there's all these kind of different sectors of sex work and different workplace issues that can come up. Um, and it can be like a very unique thing because... Some of those issues are ones that are really hard to navigate because if you have an issue with your boss at your brothel, there's no, like, that that's a criminal workplace. So you can't go to tribunal and be like, my boss did this. But you also probably, like, can't go to the police because the police would come uh, in, like, an ideal world. The police would be like, oh, I've never, I never knew there was a brothel here. Can you believe it? How, who would have, who would have thunk that this, like, workplace existed? We better go and, like, rescue those poor women. And then they would shut it down. And so your issue with your boss then becomes a closure of your workplace and then no way to earn income. So like, how do you kind of support sex workers in those situations with those workplace issues within the context of what is criminal and what their legal rights are? Um, and in strip clubs, you know, the UVW won a case to, to, to say that strippers, dancers in strip clubs are, are workers. Um, you know, it was recognized that that is that person, that is a category of worker and that just because, you know, people have these stigmatized attitudes, it doesn't mean that that person isn't a worker in a workplace mm -hmm. with 
who deserves workers' rights. And so often it's responding to issues around that. So I think that's kind of different because it's very much like people will join UVW or USW because they're, they understand themselves as a worker who maybe has workers' issues or who wants to be in solidarity with other workers in a really specific way. And a lot of cases are around um, unfair dismissal or people needing to be able to claim um, sick pay or holiday pay. Um, sometimes people get fired because of like union organizing because like even more than other industries, sometimes bosses who employ sex workers or strippers or dancers or other types of sex workers are like kind of outraged that they would dare unionize because they see them as like a, a group that can be taken advantage of because of the like social attitudes towards sex workers. Um, so there's all these different ways that sex workers are impacted at work and UVW does organizing around that and also does a lot of organizing around um, licensing for sexual entertainment venues in the UK over the last like three to four years, we've seen this big uptake in so-called feminist campaigners trying to get sexual entertainment venues to so strip clubs mm -hmm. around the UK closed down because they say it's like causes violence and it's exploitation and it's bad for women. And you see all these people who work in strip clubs being like, why are you trying to close my workplace and mean, make it so that I can't earn any money? Mm -hmm. Like what they want is for those venues to be able to stay open, but for the workers' rights that they have and for the 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 conditions in those workplaces to be improved. And it's hard to fight your boss to have the conditions in your workplace improved when you're having to fight with your boss to keep your workplace open. And then to even feel like, oh, like you're kind of grateful to your boss that they've kept employing you rather than like actually you're a worker who's able to advocate for your rights. Mm -hmm. So UVW kind of has a slightly different angle in terms of like how it's supporting and connecting with like sex worker rights movements um, in the UK. And I think those are very complementary because it creates space for each other. The more organizations you have advocating around sex workers' rights, the more space that you have for those organizations to focus on what feels really important to them. That's fine as an answer. <laughs> That's more than fine. That is uh, extremely comprehensive and like very helpful to like get those two different angles. And also, yeah, the the hardship fund is an amazing amazing achievement to have raised that much money and to have all these different projects and forms of community support going on is just like incredible and like very. I feel like mutual aid is something that we've probably all heard about through the pandemic but this is like a very concrete and specific version of it that probably has been going on in like sex work sex worker communities for longer than the pandemic and has got like deeper roots and stuff um yeah i think going on just the only thing i'd add to that is that i think that's a like that kind of mutual aid and support has been happening 
like all Swarm did was formalize it slightly. Mm. And that only was formalized in order to access the resources of the wider world. Mm -hmm. You know, that's those practices of support and like sharing of money and resources are things that happen with between sex workers, you know, all the time. Yeah. It's just like a thing people do to look after each other. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you've used the word like organizing a few times and I'm wondering if like, is there a specific way that you mean that in those different contexts, like for Swarm is organizing, is building the community organizing in itself and that's where it goes. And in UVW is organizing a different thing. Like I feel like it's yeah. a word that people throw around in groups and can mean quite specific things. And I think you're pointing yeah. to different aspects of it. Yeah. I mean, my position at the moment, which I may change, is that organizing is bad and the whole concept of organizing <laughs> is like, should be abolished, you know, abolish panels, abolish organizing, abolish all this like stuff. Um, I think in Swarm, organizing looks really different because it's not trying to get people organized to do a thing. And it's not like a top down model. You know, I think a lot of organizing and certainly organizing and other organizations <laughs> I'm a part of is about someone comes who knows things and gathers people who care about a thing to get them to achieve something in relation to that, whether it's like around housing or their workplace or their whatever. But Swarm is not that kind of top down. You know, there isn't someone who's the organizer who knows there's people who are like being led by the community saying things that they want and need and people are being organized to be able to spend time together um, to build community. You know, sex work for a lot of sex workers is a very isolating industry. People feel very alone. Um, the political context means people feel very alone. And it's really powerful for people to be able to spend time together and to share information, share resources, and just share a sense of like, oh, I understand what your experience is, is like. And that can often look very different to what is publicly facing you know what people have to say in public is different from what they're able to say in private to each other um, particularly in a political context where like there's this very anti-sex worker sentiment what I would call anti-sex worker sentiment if a sex worker expresses publicly like that they've experienced violence at work they don't know if that's just going to be used by someone to say well see that's why the industry should be abolished so there's this real kind of policing on what people are able to say publicly about their conditions and their experiences and so creating those private spaces where people can can share about what those experiences are um, and how they feel about them and what they think should be done about them is, is is really important but it's not organizing people to be like okay you've you've thought of this so now you have to go and do this and you know me Elliot or something is the organizer is going to come and help you do that it's literally just kind of like being responsive to what people say and trying to create things that are sex worker led and, and sex worker supportive in UVW it's very different because my job is you know to organize this branch and to be like okay there's these workplace issues that come up and I'm gonna you know, turn to other people who are within the union who have knowledge about workplace issues. And I'm going to turn to members who have knowledge about sex worker issues and sex worker workplace issues. You know, they are the experts in what a sex worker workplace looks like. Even though there's amazing people in UVW who have incredible knowledge of the law, of how unions work, of what workers' rights are, they don't always know how that applies in a, in a sex worker workplace. Um, or to sex worker issues. So often my job is kind of being the hinge between those two pieces of knowledge and bringing them together in order to be able to like um, fight cases. And we also have the benefit of caseworkers within UVW who can like kind of take on specific cases and then maybe we can turn them into disputes and turn them bigger. But that's definitely a situation in which 
I my perspective on organizing is that I try not to go into the branch and be like, okay, this is what's going on and this is what everybody needs to do. But to be like, okay, this seems like the things that you want to achieve. Here's some ways that maybe we could achieve that. How does that sound? Okay, I'm going to get on with making sure and supporting those things to happen and connecting us up with these different like resources and knowledge. Um, so I think those are two very like different models. And then you kind of have, I'll just like kind of refer to it, but Decriminalized Futures, which is another project I run, which isn't to me organizing, it's a project, it's an art project, it's a political education project. But part of that political education is to make resources and knowledge and information available both to sex workers and non-sex workers so that they understand the political conditions um, of sex workers, but also in which sex work is happening so that they are informed and knowledgeable and confident in being able to 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 do that work in the wider world so it's kind of like that's not really organizing people to like do something with the political education they get but it's providing it to be available which i think is again a different a different angle on how what organizing might look like um yeah Mm. yeah no i think that's really helpful and i think it really it's the similarities of that um, the distinctions you're making around like the organizing that happens within Swarm and the organizing that happens within UVW slash the organization, the or- type of organizing that you are explicitly trying to not do <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> within the context of UVW seems quite similar to the distinction that we'll often make um, as facilitators and the differences between like talking about like facilitation stuff and training, mm. like around like where is the focus around like trying to support a group um to achieve whatever it is the group's objective is type thing versus how much it is like being the person that has the knowledge that comes in to deliver some knowledge type thing and like how like the different tensions and like the pros and cons of those different approaches like i think it's uh it's always a live chat yeah (laughs) right there's definitely it's definitely the i feel like organizing chat is in the zeitgeist with like old jane mcalevey and all that kind of stuff i feel like it's definitely a it's a it's a it's a series of chats right yeah (laughs) and it's also like i think it i think it comes back to like a a conversation that's been had for a long time about like the non-profit industrial complex which is like people who work in that are meant to be like you know they're organizing around like inadequate water supply in some mountain region but once there's adequate water supply that person doesn't have a job and so you're putting people in positions of like that kind of go against their own personal interests in order to like reach a political goal and that political goal might be actually really abstracted from what they you know they might believe in it like yeah we want people to have water but it's not if it's not their community or not their location or they're not going to drink that water then it can kind of be at a distance, which is nothing to say about that specific person. Like I'm sure they're doing well, but we put people in these positions that are conflicted. And I think it's the same with like in unions in some ways, like a union organizer is that like, if if workers aren't being exploited, then what's the point in, in having a union organizer? I still think it's a point in having a union and having people connected, but it, having these professional organizers who go and like help the, the damaged workers, like take the stand and stuff like that. Like, it's kind of a weird thing, right? Maybe this is like quite a bad analysis of how unions work or something. And like, obviously I'm a union or like, you know, I'm talking about an experience I have yeah. and I'm not definitely not being like, oh, I'm going to make sure this dispute goes badly so that workers stay exploited. So I keep having a job, <laughs> but like, it is like a kind of weird thing that this, this structure yeah. of the organizer where we see it repeated in these different places is kind of like, that sort of doesn't make sense. 
Yeah, I think it's what it's what the economists call a perverse incentive, right? Like, I'm not sure. You, I don't think you're making the case that you're like an accelerationist. It's <laughs> like let's make people's lives worse and worse until until the revolution. But no, I think like there's a reason that it's a common chat yeah. around like unions specifically, right? This idea yeah. of like professional organizers. But, and also, um, it's I mean, oh sorry. Oh, no, just also the like I think we were talking about it just before the call, but the being able to differentiate between like identities and structural positions and how sometimes a paid union organizer who isn't connected to a specific community or issue but is just brought in because they have expertise on how to organize even if they have no understanding of the context those people are in, like it it's like, is your identity an organizer or is your structural position a worker who's trying to support other workers or other whoever or this or that and the other? And if you bring in someone, they might be like the best union organizer in the world. But if you put them in a situation with sex workers where they don't understand the context of criminalization for sex workers in the UK, then what they do might not be as effective because they don't have that knowledge and they can build that knowledge over time. But it's because they're being led by the people rather than they're leading those people. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. And you, you also mentioned stuff around like the nonprofit industrial complex, but I'm not going to talk about <laughs> that now. But this is also a thing that we, this is also a thing that we talked to, to Rue about, if people remember season one. So like maybe there needs to be a nonprofit industrial complex focused conversation yeah. in the future. Podcast. I think that, let's leave that aside. Uh, for I now. was going to, can I say something uh, about Oh, no, you, oh, you can say <laughs> okay, one thing. thing and then okay. we're moving I on. I think that would be really interesting, particularly in the context of the UK, of when I, first moved back to London like five or six years ago or whatever it was really popular to be like pay artists what they owed like pay people for their labor and pay money and it was very much this anyone anytime anyone does something you need to give them money for it and this kind of attitude of like you shouldn't be doing anything for anyone unless you're getting like compensated for it like regardless of what one thinks about it and like my position has definitely changed over the years like I something I said a few years ago I wouldn't say anymore but like I think this attitude towards compensation being essential in order to do things and and how that shapes how we think about organizing is you know a good conversation a good conversation for another day <laughs> <laughs> I think oh and there was just one practical thing I was going to say um for the people who um, maybe got a little bit lost in the acronyms before you mentioned USW, mm. um, LEO, which is the United Sex Workers, which is a branch of UVW, the United Voices yes, of the World. Yes, Correct? yes. Correct? Perfect. Just no, I think, nice that's, I think that's good to say. Um, so a bit of a pivot now. Um, I thought it'd be good to to spend some time thinking about like how do you like live the values of your organization in terms of how you do stuff you've talked a lot about like the aims and how you meet those aims but maybe thinking a little bit more about like what the things underlying those aims are how do you do them in practice you've brought a lot of practical stuff <laughs> in for the other bits so what are some practical things you do i really want to joke and be like no i told you i'm paid as a union organizer i don't share any of these values <laughs> i'm just here for the paycheck <laughs> um no so um i think so for Swarm, um, we kind of had this list of things that we want, which is, um, I'm going to just like say a couple of them, which is sex workers to feel connected to a national and international community of other workers, um, sex workers to be able to access spaces of support, action, exchange, and learning, to feel supported by accessible resources and services that are relevant and reflective of their needs and lives, um, the sex worker movement to be one that is closely connected to other movements. So I think those are sort of like, they're not quite values because they're kind of more like goals, um, but they reflect the, the organization's values. And I think like in thinking about like 
how do you live the values of your outward facing work in your organization? It's like, well, we, we try and embed this stuff into it. Like, are you kind of talking about me personally, or are you talking about the organization? Like, how did the organization live the values? Or like, how do we, mm. within the organization, as the way we interact with each other, how do we live those values? Let's go with the, la the last one okay. that you gave as an option. <laughs> but if, if you go off track, all of the other ones also separate. Okay, I'm glad that I'm being given permission to go off track. <laughs> um, I mean, I think it's in terms of like, okay, so let's take... Sex workers to feel supported by accessible resources and services that are reflective and re uh, relevant and reflective of their, their needs and lives. You know, that is reflected in the organizing of the people who are very involved in Swarm of being like, we try and do it in an accessible way. Like we try and book spaces or we have our office in spaces or we use venues that are accessible to people and think about that in different ways. Um, we... You know, if people are like, oh, I feel fucked this week and I can't do this thing. It's like, oh, that's fine. Let's reschedule, you know, and it's not trying to be like, no, but the funding that we got from whatever organization says that this has to be done by March 2023. And, you know, you agreed to this. Like, we're not trying to be each other's like bosses or managers. Sometimes we'll be like, dude, like you said, you'll do this. But like in a kind of mutual aid like we're trying to cooperate and get stuff done and support each other way but if people have stuff that means things take longer or stuff needs time or um it takes longer to do like we're humans sometimes it'll be annoying but like it's about supporting ourselves us to organize in ways that are accessible and to be like actually if we want this to be an organization that's sex worker centered sex workers often have quite chaotic lives they might need to take a booking without very much notice or they might have had a really difficult booking and need to take a week off from having like responsibility or a cost has come up and so this week they need to work flat out as much as they can um, and trying to pick up bookings in order to like fund their lives. And so if you think those are the people that are at the center of the organization, the organization has to reflect those needs by changing its working and organizing practices to, to take that kind of stuff into consideration. And if the point of the organization is to build a community of people who are sex workers and people who are close to or love or care about or invested in sex worker lives, then our aim isn't to like get through the task list. Our aim isn't to make sure the emails are responded to though. I mean, it's great when the emails are responded to, but like our aim isn't to like get work done. Our aim is to create space for people to feel in community with each other. And if people feel like constantly like aggro with each other, then that's not going to do that. And what's things that create like that aggro feeling stress and what creates stress, like too much work and too much expectation and too much pressure. So I think in terms of swarm, like, some of the ways in which working together we try and reflect those values is to kind of remember what it is that we're prioritizing in terms of having this organization and thinking about that in terms of the work that we do. Um, I think in UVW, it's, I mean, it's not like different, it's just there's maybe different priorities. And I think it's different in the United Sex Workers than it is in the wider union, you know, because the branch is very specific and people have really specific relationships to each other and connections with each other and a different basis for connections to each other. Whereas the wider union, um, you know, there's different branches, there's different relationships, there's different structures um, and there's different stuff going on. So I, I feel like I can't really speak to UVW and, and how UVW lives those values. Um, but I think very much it's that like sex work is work. Work is bad. <laughs> like the reason we go to work and we're workers is because 
you know, capital wants to exploit our labor in order to create capital. I'm probably saying it wrong. Some Marxists are going to listen to this and be like, no, 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 that's not how it goes. But, you know, like basically workers are exploited in order for, and like we're kept in a state of exploitation where we have to keep working so that other people can make money from us. And so when we're organizing together, when I'm organizing with people from the branch, we're not trying to exploit each other in that way. Like I'm arriving as a person who's paid to be in that space. The members of the branch are not paid to be there. They're paying money. So I'm being respectful of the fact that I kind of work for them and take leadership and guidance from them. But at the same time, they're respectful of the fact that like I'm there as a worker. And if I'm like, I can only do this for four hours today, they're like, okay, like we're not going to be like, wait, no, but we need you to do 70 things because we like, you know, there's that kind of mutual respect and an understand, um, you know, an understanding that sex work is work, work is work, work is bad. But, you know, how do we get along? I mean, I think that's kind of how those, how the values fit within the organizations in terms of how they um, relate to each other, at least. Yeah, no, thanks. Uh, no, I think that's really good. And if you, if you are a Marxist that has a problem with our analysis <laughs> of the value form, please write in. Um, <laughs> I think I just wanted to make a comment that's like, I think that um, a lot of the things that you were naming in terms of like, I think what you, you referred to it as like, how you organize like accessibly within Swarm in terms of like, is like ways that you react to like the fact that people within Swarm are like precarious workers and like live precarious lives and like and I think that is like maybe people that are listening to this maybe you're not like uh you're not a sex worker you're not like necessarily organizing with sex workers or I guess the classic caveat with people that you know are sex workers but I think like that that um that way of organizing within people's precarious lives and acknowledging each other like as as people with like bodies and needs and all this kind of stuff is a really crucial and generalizable uh thing as as well as the like prioritization of like mutual aid and care and all that sort of things like i think it's a lot of the stuff that you're saying really applies to a lot of other a lot of other contexts as well but i think there's also the thing of like not taking the piss right so like my mm. like if my job is funded through through member dues that's if that's how my position is funded then i have a responsibility to the members to be doing the thing that they're asking me to do because the whole reason i'm there is because they want to get together and they've asked me to like apply my time or expertise or knowledge or help in order to do that and there's like oh yeah we respect that you could only work four hours or we respect that you have accessibility stuff and you you can't work today or you're being sick or this stuff but if you just never come to work then like that's not me being like yeah I'm gonna fight the power by like never working that's me taking the piss out of people who are trying to organize around like quite important issues to them and so I think there's also a responsibility that comes with being like, I'm not a member, so I don't just get to decide about how much I give. I'm paid. This is my job. And my job is being paid by these people going to work. And so if sex workers are going to work to earn money to give me to help them get organized, then I have to respect that they're workers as well. But their work is like how I survive. And so I need to you know, I'm kind of, I just said the same thing three times in a circle, but like, it just feels kind of important, right? Like if you're in that position of being paid to organize people, then you have to be respectful to them and be led by them, including in thinking about what it is that your job is. No, totally. Um, but I, I agree hundred percent. And to go back to the, the swarm piece where it's like a more of a mutual aid note, everyone's 
in the in the organization in different positions but working together in that collaborative way i feel like the way that you framed that was like i feel like lots of groups talk about like burnout and talk about uh overwork and talk talk about basically the things you say around like you know take care and don't 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 see each other as means to ends and all that kind of stuff but on more like abstract campaigns it's easy to fall into that task-based thing of like we have to plan the action do the meeting do the event blah 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 but the way that you were framing that in the community in the way of like a community of people coming together around the issue of sex work to take care of each other to support each other within that it felt like the way that you were framing it that it would be harder to do that it probably still happens because we all like focus on getting stuff done and like have lots of projects and like want to make sure the stuff happens but the way that you were framing it felt like that might be harder i don't know if that resonates at all like harder to avoid burnout no like hard harder like um the way that you were prioritizing it meant that like care and understanding for each other was more embedded yeah and therefore yeah there's more understanding for each other and less like why didn't you send that email blah 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 i mean i still will be like less policing why has she not sent the fucking email you know like like, (laughs) you'll still have the moment it's not like everybody's like a saint but it's just like you'll be like well yeah maybe she didn't send like you just get over it in a different way or you understand it but i think it's yeah, I think it's definitely more embedded and so it's e- easier to do and it's harder to like kind of slip in to the the more like this task-based like da 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 like we're in office and we've got to get stuff mm-hmm. done. I think it it can be harder to do that. But I think also part of the reason that care is important is like we're doing the hardship fund. Like, you know, there were sex workers who had also faced loads of hardship as a result of COVID making phone calls to other sex workers who have faced hardship because of COVID and are hearing really, you know, like really difficult stories of people's like desperation and destitution and, and really difficult things. And it started to, you know, you'd get to a point where I'd be like, okay, should we, um, you've been, you've been reading the emails every day for six months. Do you want somebody else to take the emails over? And people were like, no, I'm going to read the emails. No, I'm going to make 60 calls today. And you'd be like, oh, mm. like you can, Sometimes caring for each other was being like, at least for me, sometimes caring for other people in the collective was being like, you need to stop doing the thing that you're doing because you feel like you have to do it because of this, you have secondhand trauma and you need to take a break mm. and be able to feel like a, a different relationship to this urgency because every single case is urgent. Every single situation is urgent. The urgency will never end but what might end is your capacity to be able to respond. And so we need to preserve that and preserve you, even if it feels like I'm being horrible to you by saying maybe you shouldn't do so many phone calls or something. And Mm -hmm. so I think it's also important to think about care as being not just like, oh, we're nice to each other and it's fine if things don't take time, but we're encouraging each other to do a little bit less while recognizing the context that we're in. You know, like I'm in the London Renters Union and sometimes you can't do less because loads of people are getting evicted and it needs to be responded to and dealt with and stuff like that. But you also need to be able to preserve people to be able to keep responding to those evictions by not being like massively burnt out and traumatized and just in deep distress constantly because all they can think about is how many people are being made homeless all the time, you know? Yeah. Care isn't always the nicey nicey. It's sometimes it's a bit firm and like stop working <laughs> a bit. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I mean, that's an issue that I have sometimes with the way people talk about like care and organizing. It's like, oh, well, we're just being nice to each other and we all just get together. It's like, no, sometimes I like go into a meeting with people that I don't really like very much and I disagree with them about things and we feel like kind of annoyed at each other. But we think that we do that in order to figure out how to do the thing that matters to us. And like, it isn't always mm -hmm. pleasant or nice. You know, I'm an abolitionist. I organize around prison abolition and these issues like the people that we organize with or spend time with might not always be people that we think are like everything they've done in their lives is great, but we find ways to work mm -hmm. together and support each other to achieve the things that, that really matter to us, which is like freedom and liberation for all. And like avoiding that conflation of like care and niceness yeah. and being mates <laughs> yeah. into all like one kind of mess of how you interact with other people and making sure those things can be like separated out and differentiated out. And I guess that's why like group culture is really important, right? Like it's group culture is in part a norm that people will try and follow even when they're stressed and don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> and like, that's why it's so important is because we are always going to be doing this kind of like stressful, overwhelming stuff. Yeah. Because the world is fucked <laughs> and, and we're trying to, <laughs> and we're trying to react against that. And so like, that's why I think it's important to like have these norms. And I guess why the question that we ask is how do you implement your values rather than what are your values? Yeah. Because what your values are is kind of irrelevant. Yeah. No, that's really <laughs> aside true. Aside from the implementation of it, right? I guess. I think that's really um, true that it is like kind of irrelevant. And I don't know, like obviously like gossipy, but you hear about other groups, like every, we all hear the gossip of like this group like says this on their website or says this on their Twitter, but then actually, did you hear they did this? And it's like, oh my God, can you believe it? And it's like, A, like try to not be too judgmental of other people. Like we're all trying to get by and we're all trying to organize, but also like, like it's, I don't know, like it's, 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 it's really hard to organize. It's really, really hard to organize. And it's especially hard to organize with people who are in like really structurally fucked positions. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes that being having a bad structural position doesn't always make for the nicest, most well-behaved, most reasonable people. And that doesn't mean we don't like still fight for those rights or still organize with those people. Yeah, absolutely. I've definitely valued like the detail we've gone into in this conversation around like <laughs> those kind of things though no, i think it's uh, <laughs> i think it's really helpful and like uh yeah organizing is hard and it is it's not glamorous and sometimes it's pretty boring and but it's still really important uh so with the caveat of that all being true if people have been listening and they do want to start getting involved in organizing in some way potentially around sex worker stuff or want to support from like a outsider perspective what can people do in that what would you recommend so in general for organizing i think find a union whether it's your renters union or your workplace union or something that's often like i feel like nobody listening to this is like how do i begin to organize i've never heard of it but if you are that's like a really good way to start because you learn about how you organize with people, not about your shared identity, but about your shared structural position, which I think is like a really important thing to remember in all organizing. But in terms of sex worker organizing or supporting sex worker movements, give money is always the first one. Give swarm money um, and do it via regular donation. Like you're better giving five pounds every month than you are giving like 25 pounds once. So I think set up, you know, set up re recurring donations to swarm um, I mean, other groups as well, but I'm going to say Swarm's the one to give money to this point. Um, 
And I think advocate, like, again, if you're in a union, advocate in your union or community group to, like, pass motions in favor of decrim um, or to support sex workers decrim now, which is decrimnow.co.uk, maybe? Org.uk? You know, they put... We'll, we'll, whack, we'll whack the right URL <laughs> in the show notes later. It'll be in the show notes. Um, the decrim now are an amazing, like, network who've put together an open letter opposing the Nordic model and explaining why and like have opportunities and sample motions you can take to your union or your CLP. If anybody's still in the labor party um, to, <laughs> to be able to like, you know, and it, and it really is important. Even if your workplace is tiny or your union is tiny, or it's just in your branch and you can't convince the whole union, getting those motions in support of decrim is what builds the tide so that, you know, in a few years when we have full decriminalization, you can be like, yeah, I did that in my branch. And like, it's those little bits that do it. And I think it, people like, think it's like oh uncomfortable or awkward or meaningless but it isn't all those tiny bits add up um and then i think again coming back to workplaces and i I guess i'm on the workplace thing a little bit in this conversation but advocate in your workplaces for provisions for disabled people and for trans people so that those people who are often pushed out of more traditional workplaces have the ability to stay in those traditional workplaces if they want to so they don't have to do sex work through lack of any other option um, I think particularly for people who have disabilities and who can't stay in work because of those disabilities, having workplaces that can be flexible and responsive to them is really important. And if you have any ability to like push for that kind of stuff in small or large ways, then that's actually like quite a good way to kind of support sex workers, even if you can't get involved in any kind of direct sex work or organizing or if you don't have any money. Um, yeah, I think those would be the first ones I thought of. Amazing. I don't know how else to support sex workers. <laughs> or if you want to get involved in organizing, you know, you can always drop someone an email. The English Collective of Prostitutes do a lot more casework than other organizations. And so there's ways you can volunteer with them and go and like help with that direct casework and, and kind of do some more applied stuff. Um, and yeah, I guess that's a, yeah. Yeah. Or join Decrim now and help, you know, get involved in the wider policy and advocacy work. Great. Amazing. Loads of practical ways to get involved from an organizing perspective or from where you are now. And we'll also share a bunch of resources for uh, like self-education as well that we talked about throughout the podcast. Thank you so much for this. This has been really, really interesting and very like in-depth digging into like all the different (laughs) ways in which sex work is connected to these other aspects of organizing and different struggles and yeah i've definitely enjoyed it so thank you no thanks for having me i really feel like sometimes people say to me like that i give a little bit too much detail like they'll be like so what was the point of that story and i'm like no i just was telling you a bunch of details so you emphasizing like wow there's a lot of detail i'm like wow that was really me wasn't it I, I mean, I personally, I can't speak for everyone listening, but I have loved the amount of detail. There is a, we, we have, we've had chats about like, who is this podcast for? And we have some people who like, some people who are like, maybe used to like get involved, do stuff, do like organizing things. And they're just like a little bit disconnected from it now because mm. of whatever. And so like, just a way of hearing what's going on now. That's one. Two, people that just like think, oh, shit's bad and I don't know what to do about it. That's group two. And like nerds, nerds. is group three, like movement nerds. And I think all three of those people will benefit from the detail that you have shared. Oh, so thank very you, Elio. It has been a pleasure and a joy. <laughs> thank you very much. Bye. 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 <laughs>
thanks once again to Elio for joining us on this episode of the podcast. If you want to find out more about Swarm, you can check out their website, swarmcollective.org. They are on Twitter at sexworkhive. And if you want to find out about United Sex Workers, go to the UVW website, which is uvwunion.org.uk, and it's one of the sectors as part of that. Thanks, as always, to Kareem Samara for the backing music, as well as Klaus. And thanks to Rowan for doing all the transcriptions this season. If you want to find out more about Resist Renew as a training and facilitation collective, go to resistrenew.com or we're on all the socials. And you can support the production of this podcast on our Patreon if you want to, which is patreon.com forward slash resistrenew. That's all for this week. Thanks again for listening and catch you next time. Bye bye.